0: Lifeway leadership. LifeWay leadership Podcast Network. Hey, Ask Me Anything, friends. Before we jump into the question for today, I wanted to tell you about something our friends at PortableChurch.com, some things they're offering uh, that I think for a lot of you could be really helpful. You know, it's well known that planting new churches and campuses, it really is the most effective way of reaching the lost. Uh, to much higher percentage of lost people that come to a new campus or a new church. And we also know that launching in rented venues like schools and theaters is one of the most cost-effective ways to launch a new church. If you're planning a launch or you're trying to figure out how to do church well in a rented venue, I would encourage you to check out our friends at Portable Church. That team over there is very well experienced. They've helped a lot of churches of, of different sizes. They're able to take your vision and create an engaging environment that will not only serve your production needs, but also help your volunteer retention stay pretty high and get you where you can spend more energy not on setting up chairs, but on, on actual ministry. So go to portablechurch.com slash Lifeway where you can learn more and find free customized resources that will teach you how to launch both portable and strong. And now I hope you enjoy Ask Me
1: Anything. Welcome everybody to Ask Me Anything. I am Matt Love. I'm here with Pastor J.D. Greer. And J.D., the question today is, is one that I think we're all asking, which is just how should Christians respond to the coronavirus? You know, COVID-19 is now, according to the World Health Organization, a, a world pandemic. Um, we've seen some really unprecedented public responses to the spread of the virus here in the U.S., things that a lot of us have never dealt yeah. with or experienced I can't or thought like about. This, right. um, it's it's a unique situation. States like, like North Carolina, like our state, are, are issuing actually official states of emergency. National guards have been deployed in some places. College students are sent home. Public schools are closing. I'm pretty sure every single sporting event that I'm aware of is, is closed or suspended or canceled. And I know many, many churches, including Ours is is no longer meeting on the weekends, and so well I mean, we're
0: meeting just not in corporately <laughs> together. I mean, yes. we're meeting in homes, so and a lot of yes. churches are, are doing that.
1: But J.D., I know a few weeks ago you were you kind of quoted Matthew twenty four, and and it, you know there's kind of this sense of like, is this the end times? Is something really big happening here? Like, how do we as Christians just process through stuff like this that we just don't understand
0: yeah well I mean first of all Matthew 24 Jesus said in the last days there'll be wars rumors of wars nation against nation natural disasters pestilence plagues you know those things and so yeah, I mean, first of all, Jesus told us very clearly that it was not for us to know the times or the seasons and that we wouldn't know the day or the hour. So it's it's unwise for us to say, hey, this indicates that the coming of Jesus is right around the corner and let's all go up on a mountaintop and just wait for him to him to come. But, you know, having said that, what i think jesus is showing there is that god uses things like this to indicate and to kind of shake up the foundations of the world telling them that the foundations are standing on are, are fragile and there's a new reality coming i mean the analogy of birth pains that jesus uses birth pains they don't tell you exactly when the baby is going to be born but the more frequently they happen the more it tells you that this new reality is coming and i think you know what we see in this is god's mercy in saying that a lot of the the things that we have trusted in I mean, Matt, just think for a minute about about like two weeks ago, none of us were worried about this. I, honestly, I'm a little embarrassed to admit it, but I kind of put this in the category of, of near misses. Like I usually, you know, you'll hear somebody say, oh, well, you know, there's an asteroid coming and it always goes in the you know, a lot of hype, but then it just like, oh, it just, you know, the asteroid goes by and we go on life is normal, or that we hear about an epidemic and we think, well, other nations can't handle this, but our medical system is, is good or a natural disaster, it, all these things. But now here we are, you know, two weeks later and almost everything in our society is shut down. And you just think about how something we can't even see has rocked the foundations of our society. Analysts are saying that even if the, the spread of the virus Even if we get that under control, the economic implications of this are going to be staggering. I've heard, you know, 20% unemployment perhaps. And so God is in this, you know, like birth pain saying the world that you're living in is not as secure as you think it is. And you need to, to rethink the foundations that you have.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just, I feel like for all of us, we're trying to, we're trying to figure out what's going on. But like you're saying, we just feel upended, right? And so we feel like we don't really know, like all the things that we we thought our lives were about or things that we did day to day are kind of changing. And so like you're saying, I think we know as believers, right, that that God is in this, but how do we as Christians specifically think about responding in a crisis like this?
0: Well, I think the first thing is that we really need to heed wise counsel. This is not a time for carelessness or bravado, nor is it a time for panic. All of us have a natural bias. Uh, some of us tend to gravitate toward worst case scenarios and doomsday prophecies, and we overreact. Others of us tend to brush aside reports as hysteria. This is some kind of mainstream you know, media, political agenda. It's probably the wisest thing to recognize what your bias is to avoid extremes in social media that cater to that shall we say darker parts of your personality and just listen to an array of counsel. I think social media presents an, a, a, a special challenge during this time because it's ironic that in an age of unprecedented access to information that during this kind of crisis it seems like social media does more to spread disinformation and hysteria than actually help. Our disposition as a church at this point is to defer to the CDC and our government. We don't want to get ahead of them but nor do we want to lag behind them. Um, We believe this is why, Romans 13, that God gave us governing officials, and so in absence of any compelling reason to not follow their their instruction that's what we're going to do
1: i think that's a really good point because i think we're, we're living in a time where there's just a lot of people wanting to create content and like write a bunch of stuff and so if we i know for me and my wife we've had to really sit down and say when are we allowing ourselves to look at news because otherwise we just kind of obsess over right. every new little minute kind of change or opinion and it becomes really really overwhelming
0: that's right let me just say a special word to those who are young and those who feel invulnerable. And we've heard all the reports about, oh, well, you know, this is particularly bad for the elderly, but for young, healthy people, it's probably not an issue. Um, First, I would just say, don't take anything for granted. I mean, I've seen enough reports where younger people have had serious complications as you know lifelong complications and some have even died so don't take anything for granted secondly you know what i've really kind of come to understand is that for those that are young and healthy it's not even concern for your own health that ought to keep you in the social distances keep you you know indoors it's love for other people and helping us to get ahead of this so we don't spread it i I love what what jason allen who's president of midwestern seminary said he said i'm taking all these instructions from the cdc seriously not because i'm afraid of getting the virus myself. He said, I'm young, I'm healthy. I'm in Christ. So I have no fear about the future. It is fear of distributing it that is making me keep my distance. Another Christian leader, Andy Crouch, he said it this way, love, not fear is the reason we ought to change our Mm -hmm. behavior. So that'd be my first thing. The second thing is in this season, we as a church really need to move forward in faith, not backwards in fear. This really is an unprecedented opportunity and God will in His grace, make us sufficient for it. This doesn't surprise Him, and He's going to give us the the resources to be faithful. So, what does faithfulness look like? Well, you know, it's not retreating in fear. It's it's serving God in faith. The early church wasn't known for stockpiling ample food and ammunition for themselves or spreading you know fear on. On their version of social media, you know, I've heard somebody say Mother Teresa, her legacy was not built on hoarding, you know, months of supplies for herself and then berating the poor of Calcutta for their poor planning and. You know the fact that they weren't as wise as she was. Christian witnesses about history have been known for hope, for faith, for self-sacrifice. We do this because we follow a Savior who ran toward tragedy, not away from it. And that's why I think this is this, like I say, an unprecedented moment of opportunity. Rodney Stark, who's one of my favorite church historians, tells you know this basically talks about a plague that took place in the Roman Empire about mid-second century. It's about one sixty-five A.D. and this plague that killed eventually 33% of the population, lasted for 15 years, swept through the Roman Empire. During that time, the total number of Christians in the Roman Empire was only about 45,000, which made up less than 1%. Despite their their small numbers, though, how they responded to this pandemic won them in all kinds of admiration and a, a, an even greater following in the years thereafter. There was a, a guy named Dionysius, who was the Bishop of Corinth, and the way he explained it is he said, you know, most of our Christian brethren with just what he called unbounded love and loyalty, they they went in to take care of the sick. Um, they attended to their needs and often at great personal risk to themselves. He said sometimes they, yes, they got sick. He said, but they stood in stark contrast to those outside the church. He said with the non-Christians, they just deserted. Those who began to be sick, they fled from their dearest friends. They uh, he said they just refused. All they thought about was self-preservation. Rodney Stark points out that, in evident irony, Christian death rates in many of these plagues were substantially lower than that of their non-Christian neighbors by nearly two-thirds. And so, of course, the question is why? Well, some analysts say it was because of their their strong sense of community. It was their commitment to care for each other, plus their robust you know their robust hope in the face of death, and their willingness to embrace death. They actually found life. That is what led to this incredible gospel expansion in the years thereafter. Those, you know, they, that, that third century was one of the time of, of the greatest Christian multiplication we've ever seen. Here's how Andy Krauts explains that. He said, think about it. If you were a first century Roman, after you had recovered from the plague, where would you want to worship? Would you want to go to the pagan temple whose priests and elite benefactors had fled at the first sign of trouble? Or would you want to go over to the, to the neighbor's house who had brought you food and water and care and concern at, at great cost to yourselves? Uh, Andy Crouch asks, he says, when this plague has passed, what are our neighbors, what are they going to remember about us during this time? Are they going to remember us, as, first of all, as the ones who took immediate, decisive action to protect the vulnerable, even when it came at great personal and organizational cost? Are they going to remember that while we you know, minded protocols for, for keeping safe, that we we were the ones out visiting the needy, um, providing for their needs, and bringing hope?
1: So, so what does that look like practically now as we try to move forward in faith while also heeding the counsel of places like the CDC and our government. How do we do that practically?
0: Well, first of all, you can care for the vulnerable. The elderly, you know, come to mind. Um, and I, 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 hopefully everybody that's in a church is regularly checking in on their elderly members. That starts first in your community, your small group, but also it's going to be just in the community. Um, that may look like offering to take a meal, just checking in on them, seeing what, what needs they have. Caring for hourly um, workers is a big one right now because you know, they say that this could hit up to 20% unemployment, and that's going to mainly affect people who are non-salaried. And uh, many of them are not quite sure what to do. And so just being aware of where they are in your community, and as you can ministering to them. Um, I've heard that in some of these places, uh, like restaurants, even if you don't want to go in and eat yourself, now's a good time to go buy a gift card. Yeah,
1: I've heard that. I've heard that as well. Me and uh, my wife have done that a couple times already. So (laughs) Um, it's a way that you can benefit them
0: right now. You know, increase some of the, the means they have to, to live with. Um, healthcare workers, hmm. that, that's a big need right now because many of them don't know what to do about childcare when, when the schools are canceled. Um, You can offer to keep their kids um, when necessary, maybe take them a meal, just tell them that you're praying for them. Hopefully your church is thinking about how to minister to the community. If you're looking for some ideas, uh, if you go to our church's website, summitchurch.com, you can see how we're engaging our community and maybe some of our ideas will inspire some of, some of yours. That's good. Um, Maybe the biggest one that we need to do in this time is just proclaim hope. You know, this is a time where God has shaken the foundations and we have a unique moment to step in and show gospel hope. That when everything else around us turns into just shifting sands, we're able to say Christ is the solid rock and all other ground is sinking sand. Um, one of our, our staff members um, sent me a note this this week and he's like, hey, this situation is new, but our calling has not changed. The gospel is still the most important message in the world and we're the ones who are supposed to tell it When God has put people flat on their back in a time of uncertainty, we can point them the right direction. Maybe even more um, apropos is we're getting ready to celebrate what I think is the most important Christian holiday, what's been at the center of Christianity for 2,000 years, and that's Easter. Never was there a more hopeless time than, humanly speaking, than when the Son of God was in the grave. At that point, it seemed like the end. The disciples you know, themselves, they were despairing, but Easter was a reminder. Jesus Christ rose from the dead and as sure as Jesus walked out of the grave, he promises life to those who live in the shadow of death. This is a time to proclaim hope. Last thing I would say is this is a good time to use this season to develop some good habits. I know our discipleship team prepared a, a guide for you to use at home that had to do with, they called it, don't waste your quarantine, uh, how to do family devotions, start quiet time habits, structured days, even good reading. We know that God does a lot of his greatest work sometimes in, in mundane places, in, in times when there's not a lot of activity. You almost could think of this as an extended Sabbath where most of us, you know, are not doing what we would normally do, and that gives us space to be able to to grow. So don't waste this time. Redeem the time. Don't don't waste your quarantine. Um, there's one final thing. I just read this the other day, and I thought this was marvelous. C.S. Lewis, who you know we every mm-hmm. every Christian pastor quotes <laughs> ad nauseum. But C.S. Lewis, he lived in the 1960s when everybody was scared of nuclear war. And somebody asked him one time, they're like, "How are you supposed to live when at any moment you feel like we could all die this terrible, gruesome death?" And Lewis said, in his you know British frankness, he said, "Well." He says, I can't promise you that you won't die a gruesome death. He said, in fact, for most of us, death will come suddenly and it will be unpleasant. Whether you that's six months from now or 60 years from now, you don't know. And the chances are you won't know when death is coming and chances are it's not going to be a great experience for you, death. He said, but what you can know is whatever amount of time you have, whether it's six months or 60 years, you can know what you should be doing in that time. And it's not shrinking back in fear. It's going forward to serve God with faith. Um, that's a really good word right now because I don't know the future. Matt, you don't know the future. None of us know, but we know that that while we're alive, we should live. And what living looks like is growing in Christ. It looks like ministry needs, and it looks like making the gospel famous. So I may be uncertain about a lot in the future, but I'm sure about what I'm supposed to be
1: doing. That's really good because, I mean, I mean, the bottom line is this is it's a scary and uncertain time. And so turning our eyes back to God and and what he's doing and what he's doing in us and through us and what he's called us to do is just really encouraging. I do do kind of want to ask one quick question at the end here as we kind of close. There are a lot of people that are just afraid. I I know personally, I just found out today, a friend of mine has got laid off because his job is an hourly job. How would you just encourage some of the people that really do feel hopeless or uncertain in this, in this really God knew about
0: it before it happened. And the same God that gave you promises yesterday when things are okay is the same God who will sustain you when things are not. You know, the, the blessings of being in Christian community is that your friend knows you. And so you're going to bear that burden with him or hers as, as they go through this. Um, God's promises are most precious and most powerful in times when you have nothing else to hold on to but, but them. I think this is all a time for us as our foundations have been been rocked here a little bit to say, what do I really trust in for the future? Is it prosperity? Is it our national security? Or, or is it the promises of God? William Carey always said, the future is as bright as the promises of God. And that's a good hope.
1: daddy that's really, really helpful. Well, we're really glad you listened. Hey, by the way, Matt, let
0: me yeah. interrupt you and you're getting ready to go into your last thing yeah, here, yeah. but summitchurch.com. There's a lot of resources mm. on there on how to volunteer, how to help, also how you can not waste this time, resources for your own personal growth. I'd encourage you to, to check that out.
1: That's great. But yeah, we really are glad you guys listened to us today. Um, we would also just say, if you don't already subscribe to Ask Me Anything, we would love to have you kind of kind of click that subscribe button just so you can get all of our episodes. And also, we always love reviews. We like finding out if I'm saying weird words sometimes. We like finding out if JD can... We're always looking for ways JD can improve, obviously. So any reviews you have, we would love to hear, hear from you. And we just want to get this content in your hands, and subscribing is the best way to do that. So we're really glad you joined us this week on Ask Me Anything.